We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Breaking down Super Bowl 57. That's what we're talking about today on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch from a newsletter, Stealing Singles at bengretsch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his great work over at Rotoviz. Sean, we talked about it a little earlier in the week, kind of teased it. We were going to talk about the game today, kind of break it down. There's been a lot of breakdowns of the game. The numbers sort of are what they are. Everyone kind of understands that the Eagles had a strength of schedule thing. I mean, I, I was going to say a weak strength of schedule, but I feel like there's a, ref, a reflex that, however you want to word it, right? <laughs> there's They didn't play as many tough opponents as, as other teams. Um, does that mean that they're not capable of beating good opponents? I mean, that's open to interpretation, right? Um what we know is that they haven't necessarily been challenged to the same degree. The Chiefs on their end, I mean, we know their struggles, their lack of depth at receiver, their health concerns. Um, you know, there's some more matchup-specific stuff. The Eagles have a very good pass defense. I saw some stuff that talked about how the Chiefs have not been very good at run defense, particularly up the middle, and the Eagles are very good at running up the you know between the tackles. Makes sense. Eagles are, you know, a, a run-heavy team. That stuff is all what the numbers tell us, how they got here. But one of the things with the Super Bowl that I, you and I have always jived on when we when we do our conversations, we do the show together, and what, one of the reasons we love talking football together so much is that, like, a lot of times the numbers aren't going to tell you everything. And I think so much focus has been on this, whatever, 17, 19-game sample for these teams – they now have two weeks to self-scout to determine whether you know there are things that they need to improve on. There was a, a lineman, I think it was Lane Johnson, for the Eagles in Super Bowl Media Day. I saw actually referencing how they use analytics to self-scout you know, during the, the media day and some of the questions he was getting asked. They're not going to do the same thing that they've always done. They're going to try to make – they're going to try to uh, – identify what the opponent is going to do and then come up with answers for something they're not even sure is a problem that they're going to face, but they're, they're, you know, they're hoping that they're going to face or they're trying to figure out what they might be facing. Right. Sometimes these teams are wrong and they get caught with a game plan that ends up being, you know, a whole reason. Very famously, the Patriots beat the Rams in the Super Bowl a few years ago with a game plan that befuddled Sean McVay's really good offense for the whole season. Suddenly they were a three-point team in the Super Bowl. They lost 13-3. to Seahawks against the Broncos, another great one, right? I mean, people have said this about the Bron- uh, the, the Bucks against the Chiefs, although I don't know that was really game plan. I think everyone knew there was a big line disadvantage there. And you and I have talked about this before, but we agree that the Chiefs maybe could have overcame that, had a few of the key plays just broken a little bit differently. This is a long intro long-winded way of saying there are a lot of ways this game can go um but i'm excited to break down it should be so much fun and i mean you can get into super bowls where they seem fairly lopsided and then even the underdog will win 
you know, you have the the helmet catch in the New York Giants and Eli Manning pulling off some Super Bowl victories. You have someone like Joe Flacco winning a Super Bowl and parlaying that into a massive contract that he then has to answer for through a, the next long stretch of his career. Now, granted, that Ravens team has a fantastic defense, but Joe Flacco can get hot for a month and suddenly that team is different than they were the rest of the way. The fun thing that's so fun about this game is that it, it's really difficult to look at it and not think that these are two just absolute power teams. There really aren't any questions about the Chiefs from the big picture. You know, they may or may not win. Patrick Mahomes may or may not be healthy. Andy Reid may or may not blow game management elements that cost him a Super Bowl against his former club. But big picture, there's no question how good the Chiefs are. They're a team that continues to make the Super Bowl. You've got one of the greatest quarterbacks and one of the greatest head coaches of all time. Probably more questions about the Eagles, especially with you mentioned the teams that they faced, even though the NFC East was the best division in the NFC, those teams still have some huge weaknesses that the Eagles, as a much more balanced team, were able to exploit. We know that Jalen Hurts brings this unique element where he has the vertical passing game with the multiple fantastic weapons. Obviously, he can run the ball, and because he has that run-pass option, the Eagles rushing game at the middle is excellent. You have all of those things, and then you have the defense that was number one in the NFL in yards per cover snap allowed. And a lot of different ways to kind of break that down, but we think that the Eagles defense excellent as well. And so you talk about these two pretty well-balanced teams, and the Chiefs, one of the questions that they really answered in the AFC Championship game is that the defense isn't just along for the ride. It may not be a all-time great defense. It's not like, you know, the Chicago Bears defense of lore. It's not like those Ravens defenses, probably not quite as good as the Eagles defense, but I mean, it's a very strong piece of their team. And it's going to be important. Yeah. When you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the ball, can you hold your own? I mean, you're you're right. They're not an all-time great defense, but in some respects, you just need to be average or good. And I think they are good. I think, you know, and if you look at a lot of the advanced data, they probably don't come out as, you know, solidly above average um but they're not bad it's not a bad defense by any means well and you know we talked last week when we were previewing the afc championship game this is a team that is one of the top teams in terms of sack per game they're one of the top teams in terms of hurries per game they're one of the top teams in terms of yards per cover snap allowed and so i mean they can give you multiple types of problems when you're passing and we saw that with both sacks and excellent double teams on both chase and t higgins in that game the rush defense not fantastic but a team that is one of the better tackling teams in football they're one of the better teams in terms of tackle for loss they're just coming off a game where they completely wiped out joe mixon now (laughs) wiping out joe mixon is not some amazing accomplishment it's going to be very different than what they face with the eagles but this is a team that i think because you're looking for a way that the chiefs can be beaten and because you're looking for weaknesses and that's an area where they're not as strong then it's just hard to not start to conceptualize that that they're bad when in fact i mean they're fine there now we'll find get it done and that's the question and it'll be so fascinating you look at the eagles and the different types of outcomes that you could get in this i think because we don't know as much about the eagles other than having a very strong supposition that they're actually awesome makes this one of the most exciting Super Bowl games to look forward to in a long time. And we've had some very good Super Bowls. And then one of the fun ways that you can get involved and show your wisdom and game picking acumen is to check out Underdog and their opportunities for the big game. The easiest way to get on the action for the big game is Underdog Fantasy and their pick'em game. Underdog keeps it simple with their easy-use website and app, and they're making it even easier with a special pick for the big game. And then I always like when it's easy. You go into different apps and try and figure out how they work when they work well, like Underdog does. It is my favorite way to play, starting on Thursday, February 9th at 10 a.m. Eastern. So by the time you're listening to this, this will be good. You'll be able to make a special pick on Jalen Hurts, higher or lower than 0.5 total yards. Then you and I are going to have some fun picks later in the show but i think we're both probably on board with higher than 0.5 total yards that's 0.5 yards he literally needs one yard in the game in order to go higher 
pair this with at least one other correct pick with the max $20 entry, and you could be taking home some cold, hard cash. Sign up today with the promo code ROTOVIZ and get your first deposit doubled up to 100 I also really like that part of it. Visit underdog.com or find them in the App Store, and don't forget to register with the promo code ROTOVIZ to get your first deposit doubled. Must be 18 plus and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. If you're concerned with your play, call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ncpgambling.org. That part also important. But Ben, I can't wait to get involved in some of these Super Bowl contests. Yeah, I mean, I I love the element of it being the one seats facing each other. I I, I tend to to root for the underdogs and stuff, but um, this was a year where I thought we had you know the, the clear kind of top top teams going into the playoffs and wanting it to be kind of from that group, but certainly getting, you know, on the NFC side, especially with the Purdy injury, but even before the Purdy injury, you know, you could talk about the Niners as a team that have this whole at quarterback. The Bengals would have been a very deserving team from the AFC and the Niners would have been a deserving team too. I'm not saying they wouldn't have been, they've built their team incredibly well outside of their quarterback injuries, but you know, there's something different about getting these two teams at full strength or close to it, obviously, you know, there are a few injuries here and there, but not major wounds to major position groups or um, things like the Niners are dealing with where it's like, oh, can they win even though their quarterbacks hurt? Uh, instead, you're talking about two of the bright young stars at quarterback, right? The first Super Bowl in NFL history with two black quarterbacks facing off, which is an incredible milestone. And I mean, they're, they're two, again, two of the bright young stars, two of the absolute, you know, faces of the future of of the nfl which is uh great at that position then you have a lot of talent at the skill positions you have obviously we're just talking about the defenses and eagles have the incredible offensive line chiefs offensive line is good as well there's a lot of really good players on these two teams and it's going to be so much fun to see you know one team's best go at the other team's best it is interesting as we talk about kind of breaking it down and i was saying all the different ways it's been parsed if the Eagles are going up against, I don't know, if somebody more surprising came out of the AFC, say Jacksonville, right? They were one of the division round teams that wasn't, you know, a part of that big five of top teams going into the playoffs. Jacksonville somehow makes it all the way to the Super Bowl. We're probably not talking as much about how the Eagles haven't really played all these top teams and their strength of schedule because that feels more lopsided and you're just going, the Eagles have been really good and they're good. All their units are good. If you look at their different, you know, their line play, their pass defense, their offense, their skill position play, their quarterback play, they're just the better team, right? And that's kind of the way the game probably gets broken down. When you get them up against Kansas City, there are two teams that have not, they've done everything well enough throughout the season that, and in Kansas City's side, some of the things they haven't done as well are covered up by the fact, okay, well, you have Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah, your wide receivers aren't great, but you have Patrick Mahomes. So we're not going to knock your passing, you know, offense ability as a team when they're going up against each other and you can't really find holes to pick then you start thinking well i, I feel like that the strength of schedule thing has been overblown because of that right it's sort of the point that I'm, I'm getting to i do have concerns about it and i do think it's possible they are not as good of a team as their record has shown and everything but this is a very good team still and i think we're going to see their best and, and kansas city's best and it's not going to be like some kind of blowout where they were you know, a, a mid-major team in the NCAA tournament who, you know, walked through and went undefeated and then can't hang with the big boys. I mean, that's not what the Eagles are. It's not going to be like the college football national championship game is what you're telling me. Yes, there, that, that's a good analogy. We, You know, we can get a blowout in this game, but it's going to be the result of very high leverage plays that stack up on one side. I mean, if you have turnovers, then the game can get out of hand very quickly, but we're not going to have a game where, you know, you used to get in the, I believe it would be the 90s, where the AFC goes on this run, where the teams looked so good and had these stars going into the Super Bowl, and then their team just gets demolished to the point where the two different conferences don't look equal. I mean, we're not going to have that. Even though the AFC is stronger, we're not going to have that. The question that we come back with here with Philadelphia is simply, can you match up with Patrick Mahomes when you haven't faced that. It was interesting to see this week that Brandon Ayuk says the Chiefs elite pass offense is going to show the weaknesses, show the holes in this Philadelphia Eagles defense. He claims they were going to show that and we're going to win before Brock Purdy 
gets injured, he's approaching it from this perspective that the 49ers have a lot of variety that they can throw at a team like the Eagles, something that Philadelphia doesn't necessarily face when they play the Commanders or the Giants or teams like that. The Chiefs, we know, have this issue where I mean, they don't exactly have variety either. What they have is Travis Kelsey, and you have to figure out a way to stop him that doesn't just let everyone else run free. Ben, you and I were kind of talking about Marquez Valdez-Scantling and what the Chiefs look like from the long term. He's a potential cap casualty, and yet he was the guy in the AFC Championship game who finally comes through for Kansas City. It's interesting when you pull up the ceiling signals tool, which we obviously have named after your fantastic newsletter. And you look at weeks 10 through 18 here and see just how shallow the targets are for basically everybody other than MVS, right? He's at 15.7. You have Travis Kelsey getting targeted less than seven yards down the field. The same for Juju, obviously Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony, both getting targeted in that very short area range if the Chiefs are going to have a vertical element to this, it probably is MVS and then maybe Justin Watson, who is healthy. I guess we don't know 100% for sure that he will be active in this game. But with McCole Hardman going to IR, it seems like he will be his A dot over 20. He ran 200 routes during that time period, obviously targeted very rarely only 20. But if you have one of those targets that comes through in a big way in the Super Bowl, it doesn't really matter that he's not that involved. The big play is probably going to come from those guys. And then the Chiefs, sort of unlike what we had this season with the Chargers, where the Chargers throw relentlessly underneath, and it gets very frustrating for everyone. In the end, their offensive coordinator gets fired. The Chiefs, despite that profile, I mean, they, they gapped the rest of the NFL in terms of expected points added per play and in terms of wins above replacement, the way that SIS Sports Info Solutions breaks that down and attributes it to different elements of the team. Their passing offense was that much better than the rest of the NFL. But it's like apples and oranges, and that's without receivers. And so then the other little thing here is it sounds like Tony may be more or less completely healthy. The problem for him is that a hangnail takes him back out of the game. Juju Smith-Schuster, fairly healthy. From the couch, it's a situation where if that changes in-game, you're just wondering, I mean, how likely is it to change by an amount that they couldn't play through it? I mean, you just like to see some toughness from these guys in the most important game of the season. Are you concerned that they're going to go out and or does it even matter? Because again, I mean, Patrick Mahomes has been more or less able to do it with anybody. But the Chiefs do need to score about 30 in this game. You look at some of their big losses this season, obviously losing the regular season to the Bengals and the Bills, and both of those teams are able to hold them down. Not scoreless not you know in the teens but you hold the chiefs in the mid-20s and you have an offense like the eagles and you can win the game i was just looking at the chiefs depth chart as you're you know talking through their the wide receiver position looking at their practice squad i had to say i forgot the melvin gordon is on their practice squad he's still he's still there on their practice squad do you know he's sitting there around there saying too like the gap between me and clyde edwards alaire is about the same as the gap between barry sanders Still today, whatever age he is, me. And <laughs> anyway, I wouldn't yeah. mind seeing Melvin Gordon in this game, but Ben, that does not right. seem to be the trajectory. Ronald Jones, I believe, got a, a carry in the AFC Championship game. He did uh, first drive, but he's uh ran directly into the first tackler and fell down. <laughs> he got some opportunities this year, very few, and and they all looked like that, which was not great for our uh assertion that he would somehow unlock the the Chiefs offense. I mean, I just small sample size. All right. I mean, come on. The Melvin Gordon thing's kind of funny, though. He probably wins a Super Bowl ring if they're able to take it down, which I mean would be good for him, right? Uh, same with Ronald Jones, in fact. But CEH has been activated and is probably going to be, you know, you got Pacheco, you got McKinnon, CEH, you got very unlikely that Melvin Gordon is active. It seems unlikely that Ronald Jones will even be active for this game. But the wide receiver position, I was looking through, you know, practice squad, they had the Marcus Kemp guy up for the AFC championship. He only played 10 snaps all season. He ends up having to run a lot of routes in that game as the other receivers all go out. Michael Hardman now on IR. You mentioned the other five, which is their main five. And you have Juju and Tony as the two that are sort of hurt. And so you have three that are healthy. MVS, 
Justin Watson, who missed the AFC Championship, but is presumably healthy now, and Sky Moore, who are still waiting to, to come along. And so, yeah, I mean, to your question, can they get, like, yeah, they can get hurt in game. Obviously, I, I'm like, that's a concern, too. I'm sure they're concerned. I I mean, they navigated it in the last game round, you know? I mean, that's the, the kind of the thing when you have Travis Kelsey, you use some multiple tight end sets. They, they have three other tight ends that they can activate. Noah Gray, Blake Bell, and Jody Fortson. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. As you were talking about that, I think my side of it was how funny would it be if Tony, you know, you, you, I completely agree with you. You mentioned if, you know, Hangnail just takes him out of the game again. But if he's more or less healthy, how funny would it be if he just is healthy for the whole game and has like an eight catch Super Bowl? I mean, that, that would just make a lot of sense with what we've seen from Kadarius Tony over the last couple of years that he just randomly shows up for this because he has shown, obviously, flashes of considerable, considerable ability. Well, in addition to the run after the catch with him, too, I mean, you see those plays. One of the first big plays he made after the trade was one where Mahomes more or less throws the ball up to him and he elevates. You see in the AFC Championship game where he doesn't come down with it, and we did a whole segment on how you've got to at least act like you caught that ball, but again, elevates. I mean, he can get up to make some plays. He gives you a threat that no one else on the team gives you at all. The thing that I would be concerned about in this game with the receiver injuries is that especially with the two weeks, we know that Andy Reid is, I mean, just a great caller of the game overall. He's a great offensive mind. The scripted plays are going to be fantastic, but there are going to be a handful of plays that, you know, no one has ever seen before. The plays are going to be a perfect fit for, what the Eagles defense is trying to accomplish, going to be able to counteract those types of things. But the Chiefs, with the lack of vertical or even really intermediate ability with their receivers, they run a lot of, you almost might call college-style plays, but definitely gadgety misdirection plays that ask the receivers or the running back to take the ball and run after the catch into this design space that is then wide open. If you don't have Hardman last week, McKinnon didn't do anything after he had that really hot run to finish the regular season. If Tony isn't there and you can't get Sky Moore involved in even catching these short passes, they lose that, you know, basically gadget play, but elite gadget play element to the offense. And once they didn't have that, they really struggled to move the ball. We focus so much on Patrick Mahomes and his brilliance after the play starts but the Chiefs have to be able to run 10 plays that are just you know, purely plays that they've set up in practice to get into space. If they don't have guys that ex- can execute those plays, it'll be much more difficult for them to move the ball down the field consistently and then have things to go to on the highest leverage plays in the game. I completely agree. You're saying that Kadarius Tony is the most important player in the entire Super Bowl. I, I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, but it is, I mean, it is an interesting way of putting it. Sky Moore... Jarek McKinnon, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You don't think that threesome can, if Tony does go out? I mean, that, I think CEH is the low-key guy that gets some of that work. Man, I don't think he can do it. It'd be great <laughs> if he did, and it would be great if Pacheco does some run after the catch in the receiving game. I mean, he cannot run the ball at all, but he did make some plays as a receiver in the championship game, so that part was cool. I, I think that McKinnon has to be more involved and has to look better. It's just – I mean – He'll go through these stretches where you want him to touch the ball almost every play. He was so hot in the 2021 playoffs, and then he comes back and has the great finish to the year this year where it seems like every time they put him in the game, he scores a touchdown. Definitely when you get down in the red zone, the other team has to be aware of him because that's how the play is going to be designed. You've got all this misdirection, and then McKinnon leaks out to the other side. Patrick Mahomes dumps the ball to him. Maybe he has to make one guy miss, and he's in. I guess I don't think the Eagles are going to let them do that. The Bengals didn't let them do that. The Chiefs have to have some answers for it, but McKinnon has to show up. They just don't have that many other options. Again, somebody has to get it done for the Chiefs. It's not going to purely happen by magic. And even though I've said this at different points throughout the season and then proved wrong, I don't think the Eagles are going to let Travis Kelsey catch 14 passes for 120 yards and three touchdowns or any version of that. I mean, they're going to have him as the guy that they stop. The other guys are going to have to make Yeah, plays. you've said that every week since July. Me and all the listeners are aware of it, and every week he does it anyway. So, I mean. It... 
You've also said every week during the playoffs that the Chiefs are going to lose by at least a touchdown, and they've managed to get all the way here. So you're a little bit the unsure about this. isn't particularly true. But. What's that? Yeah, not entirely true. But no, I I, I agree with you. I, I was being pretty tongue-in-cheek about Clyde Edwards and Lair as well. I think McKinnon has to be that guy. I mean, I think – because I, I think we kind of know that Sky can't be. I was talking about – Sky Moore, McKinnon, CEH is sort of the, the trio. But really, it has – I mean, McKinnon has shown that he can be that guy. Coming into the playoffs, it looked like he was the clear second skill player in the offense. We were doing, like, the playoff challenge. The only other guy besides Kelsey and Mahomes who was getting played in the FFPC playoff challenge was McKinnon. At like a 10% clip, a decent clip. He looked that good down the stretch. He didn't get used as much in the AFC Championship. I think they have to get back to using him as that space back. Obviously, if Tony can stay healthy, it would be really great because then Tony could also chip in there. And then you're talking about, okay, Juju and MVS and what we get out of those guys, Justin Watson, Sky, if we get anything out of him. Uh, obviously, Pacheco is you know going to give you some things uh, as like a more traditional running back. You're, you're talking about those guys as more like the fourth and fifth and sixth skill players. It is pretty hilarious as we sit here and kind of break down their whole skill position group, just how thin it is. And I mean, this all kind of comes back to a strategy that was intended to to create some depth at this position, you know, at these positions, this offseason, trading Tyreek Hill, trying to get a lot of names and a lot of players that could fill these spots. They haven't really hit on that a ton. In a lot of ways, you look at the fact that the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl here and you're like, how could they be any worse as an offense going forward? You know, I mean, this to me, is an incredible accomplishment. There's obviously some good fortune that comes with it. You're not, you know, guaranteed to win every playoff game and everything like that. The Bengals game, of course, could have gone either way. We, we spent a lot of time talking about that game and breaking it down, but it is fascinating. It's, I mean, really what I'm getting at is it's a testament to Patrick Mahomes just to see how good this team, and Andy Reid, frankly, because, I mean, even when Mahomes missed a little time in that Jacksonville game, the offense was still functional with Chad Henney there, which was, you know, somewhat surprising. But it is a testament to him as a coach as well. But, I mean, this is a team that, and a system, but obviously from the quarterback perspective the most, Patrick Mahomes, that has an incredibly high floor of offensive play. I mean, go back to that Bucs Super Bowl we talked about a little bit before. Even in that game, Mahomes was constantly under fire. They still got things going. They just had, uh, I mean, we had a Tyreek Hill drop for a near touchdown. Later when the game was out of hand, they had a Daryl uh, Williams drop for a near touchdown. There was a key third down late in the first half that Travis Kelsey just dropped and hit both of his hands, would have been a first down. It led to a couple of plays later after a penalty on a punt, uh, on a second punt, a shanked punt that turned the ball over at like the 30-yard line and helped the Bucks score right before the half. Another touchdown to really start to put that game away in the in the at the end of the first half but that was a you know a Kelsey drop that you just never see like at all they had a few of these little mistakes and then Mahomes made you know some mistakes himself but they were still functional they were moving the ball against in a situation where like their offensive line like couldn't block it seemed like every single play Patrick Mahomes is sprinting around and running circles this is a team that I mean you, you I, as we're sitting here talking about it, it's like, what if they had one more play? What if Kadarius Tony was what you know the promise of Kadarius Tony, or what if Sky Moore was the promise of Sky Moore? What if these guys were hitting their ceilings? But they had one more player or Juju hitting his ceiling that was really impactful. I mean, this team would be unstoppable, it would seem like. Well, MVS did that in the AFC. I mean, it's possible that we get I, Justin Watson has just looked so good. In flashes and don't get me wrong i think this team would clearly be better with tyreek hill we're not saying that it wouldn't and yet one of the reasons that they that divorce did happen was that hill was constantly saying i'm not getting fed the ball enough and while they didn't come out and say it you definitely got the impression that mahomes and reed wanted the flexibility to not feel like they had to force the ball anywhere it doesn't show up in the numbers for any individual receiver but when you go back to all the things that Patrick Mahomes led the NFL in this year, and it does show up just overall when you look at Mahomes' numbers and you look at the offensive efficiency, that not having to go anywhere on any particular play, even though many of the plays do end up with Travis Kelsey, that this team, again, was just like it's been in the past. 
it's almost one of these puzzles that the Eagles now have to figure out for the Super Bowl is like, how do you come up with a game plan to stop receivers that you don't really worry about stopping? I mean, other than Travis Kelsey, you don't know where the ball's going to go because these guys are bad. The Chiefs almost thrive because you don't know which one of their crappy receivers any individual play is going to feature or any individual game is going to feature. Yeah. It's a little bit like the the early, you know, Patriots era when they had like David Givens and David Patton and all these guys. And it was like, who are these dudes catching TDs? I mean, the Donovan McNabb Eagles in the same same era. Um, that people would always joke like Reggie Brown was their, you know, like their number one receiver. And uh, what was that one guy's name? Uh Todd Todd Pinkston? Is that is that a, ever an old Eagles receiver? Oh man going to the way back machine, but that's, that's what it reminds you of a little bit, right? I mean, the, the NFL is a lot more receiver dominant these days, a lot more, you know, just more, I think there's a lot more depth at the position, a lot more talent, probably better coaching from the, from the early, you know, ye- years. And it took some development time. The modern game really only became pass heavy in like the nineties at first, and then started to be more pass heavy in the two thousands. And you have, high schools and coaches and colleges adopting that. And the next wave of receivers end up, you know, kind of coming in and being huge names and so much more depth of the position now that I have to go back 20 years to think of offenses that remind me of, of this type of offense, but they do at least have Travis Kelsey. We always forget about that, Sean. That's why he's going to catch 15 more passes. I mean, the Eagles game plan, you talk about it. They don't really have anyone to key on. It has to be to get after Patrick Mahomes it has to revolve around Patrick Mahomes. Can we get to him rushing for dropping you know, seven, and if we can, dropping eight, <laughs> you know, rushing three. Can they get pressure on him with, without sending extra rushers? Because he will beat you if you do. And, I mean, the, that's what the Bucks were able to do a couple of years ago. The Chiefs have improved their offensive line. The Eagles do have a good pass rush, though. I mean, that's been a big part of their success as a defensive, as a pass defense. They have, uh, I think it's three guys with 10-plus sacks or something more than that. I referenced this on a recent show. I don't remember their stat. I heard it on a broadcast in in one of their last games of the season that became, I believe, the first team in NFL history to have X amount of players with X amount of sacks. Maybe it's four players with 10-plus sacks. I looked it up now. They have four with 11-plus. So I think they maybe were the first team to have four players with that many sacks. So they get pressure, multiple spots. Hassan Reddick is their is their big name, but they have three other dudes that had at least ten sacks. So they, I mean, they're going to have to get pressure rushing for and dropping into coverage. And then if they have enough numbers in coverage, it doesn't really matter which of the Chiefs kind of subpar players that Mahomes is trying to get the ball to. You run into a problem when you don't have the numbers, and then MVS can win in one on one because he's an NFL receiver, and especially an extended to, play. Go do you ahead. think it comes down to Mahomes' health because? even though I think the Bengals are probably a slightly better team than the Eagles, especially if the Bengals offensive line is healthy. I have a hard time seeing the chiefs win again. If Mahomes is as limited as he was in the AFC championship game, he'll have two more weeks. One of the things that we continue to hear, and it appears to be the case is that he's practicing on this. So it's not like he's spending all of his time, with that leg elevated to do the different types of things that are going to would maybe make it heal faster. I, so just a little, you know, early pick, we'll, we'll get our picks in here at the end here. I've moved in the direction of thinking the chiefs should be slightly favored in this game, but if there's not meaningful improvement in that ankle, then I think 80% of the time Philadelphia wins this game because just part of what he needs to be able to do is to extend plays and to run a little bit himself to not have to throw the ball away immediately. If there's pressure and the Eagles are just too good for the chiefs to be favored. If he's again, that limited. Yeah, that's definitely key. I think that's a great point. Hey, what's up listeners. It's Curtis Patrick from the Rotoviz fantasy football podcast. And now that you've taken your fantasy game to the next level, it's time to take your sports viewing experience to the next level too. Epson just hooked me up with this new Epic Vision Ultra LS800 laser projector, including their optional 120-inch Silver Flex screen. It's an absolute game changer. With an Epic 120-inch picture, 
It's twice the size of an 85-inch TV. With a 4K Pro UHD picture this big, I can evaluate plays and prospect game film like never before. Even my kids are as pumped for game day as I am. Go check it out by visiting epson.com slash rotoviz. And like Epson says, bring the sportsbook experience home. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I think the other way the Eagles can win this game other than that. I mean, that is that is a big one. That would be a huge blow to the Chiefs. The other way is that it's kind of a shootout, that both of these teams are very good offensively, and we get a lot of points, and they outlast, right? They have enough drives that they're converting in the red zone to seven. We talk about football as a game of possessions all the time. The Chiefs can be very good offensively, but still have a couple drives that don't work out. Just talked about in the Bucks Super Bowl. They had a couple drives with drops on key third downs. You lose drives and your opponent is executing drives and you can fall behind quick. And I mean, you can get boat raced a little bit. That's basically what the Bucs did. If you go back again, look at that Super Bowl, the Chiefs were not an offense that couldn't move the ball at all. Mahomes was definitely under fire a lot, a lot of sacks, a lot of hits, a lot of key, you know, pressure and key moments on key third downs. But they were close to producing on their drives, but not getting anything out of it. And then the Bucs were executing was the other side of it. Seven points every time they got the ball. The Eagles, I think, offensively, I mean, they could put together those eight-and-a-half-minute drives, right, that they did it against the Niners. I mean, at halftime in the Niners game, I was telling the guys who weren't stealing lines to take the live under because you had the Purdy injury, and it was – the Eagles are going to play their game now. There's not going to be a lot of points in the second half, and that's the way it went. The, the 49ers didn't score the entire second half in part because the Eagles had an eight-and-a-half-minute drive in the third quarter, and then or slightly less than an eight-minute drive, maybe it was, and then another like seven-minute drive, I want to say, in the fourth. I mean, two very long drives. Let's see, it's uh, it was seven minutes and 50 seconds, and then they had a five-and-a-half-minute and then a four-minute drive to end the game. They had a three-and-out on their first drive of the second half and only three more drives, and one ended the game because they were so efficient with the ball on those drives. I mean – Efficient maybe isn't the right word. A lot of plays, but they used a lot of clock. And that's what they're trying to do from an efficiency standpoint when they're leading is they're trying to just convert first downs and keep the clock running. And they were able to execute that incredibly well throughout the second half of that Niners game against an incredibly good defense. I mean, this is an Eagles team 
The Niners had their issues at quarterback, but they're not a bad defense. This is an Eagles team that when they fire on all cylinders offensively can control a drive, can control a period of the game with a very long methodical possession. If they're very successful on their possessions, if they're scoring, you know, we talk about points per possession, they're scoring points per possession in an incredibly high clip in this game. Then you start talking about the variance in football. If, if the Chiefs have a couple bad breaks, if they have a drop that gets batted up and gets intercepted, you know, not even necessarily Mahomes throwing a bad pick, but one of these receivers doesn't make the catch. There's, I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I've struggled, I've grappled when I, when you said, you said sort of an early pick was that the, you think the Chiefs should be favored. I agree with that. I, I think I've been leaning towards the Chiefs. My other side of this game, looking at the, over-under has been to lean towards the over since the beginning. But I I got the two conference championship games correctly on the spread. I did not get the over-unders correctly. I took the over in both games. I felt like in both games we had two good offenses that could and, – and typically offense can dictate a little bit with the way the rules are now when you have offenses that are this good – I think in the modern NFL more so than historically, if we look back a decade, a couple decades, certainly defense can win championships. I think we're at a place in the NFL where offenses can dictate to a certain degree. Now, there are certain matchups that that's not going to happen in. We talked a little bit about the Rams offense getting, you know, getting shut down in the Super Bowl with the Patriots a few years back. But the thing I've been really struggling and grappling with is I think both of these offenses will probably be efficient in this game. But also I think if the Eagles are efficient, they might, be trying to run as much clock as possible essentially at certain times and limit possessions. So I want to take the over, but the over is also at, you know, over 50 points and it's possible this game only has eight possessions on both sides. If the Eagles are able to get a six, seven, eight minute drive in on each half. And so they could, you know, both teams could be good points per possession wise, but not enough possessions really to, to get to a 50 over under. But yeah, I mean, I, it's going to be, a fascinating game. I I do think if I was going to p- to pick on the the game total, I would take the over because I do think both offenses will be successful, and that's the other way. Sort of what I was starting saying here. Even if Mahomes is healthy and is very good in this game, the other way the Eagles can win it is that they are incredibly good offensively. I don't know that their defense can hold up with the Chiefs. I do think their offense is good enough to put up points at a high level in any game. And we talk so much about the Eagles and what they haven't faced and the fact that facing Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense is a unique task. We want to also look at that from the other perspective, which is that it's basically impossible to simulate an offense like the Philadelphia Eagles. You're not going to face Jalen Hurts and the hybrid ability there. You're not going to face the trio of offensive weapons very often. It's such a unique problem that you have to solve on that side. You look at some of the teams that the Chiefs have faced that you might say are vaguely similar and that they play the Arizona Cardinals early in the season, but the Cardinals really a mess at that point. They're able to limit Kyler Murray running the ball in that game, and they win in a blowout. They face the San Francisco 49ers, which I only really mention as having some similarities because you're going to have a lot of misdirection. You're going to have an elite rushing attack, a team that could control the clock and kind of take you out of what you want to do by having possession, having long possessions, the way that you just discussed. Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback at that point in that game. He obviously doesn't bring the rushing capability himself that a Jalen Hurts does or anything like it. The Chiefs are able to more or less control the 49ers in that game, even though you give up some points, but blow them out. And... The 49ers continued to evolve as a team as the season went along, and they were scarier with the defense later. And yet the fact that the Chiefs blew out this 49ers team had no problem scoring more or less at will on them, again, underlines kind of where they are. Yeah, they were. The that, was the, that, was, that was Christian McCaffrey's first game. He only played about 20-something percent of the snaps, but he did play. He had only been there for a couple of days. But you're right. I mean, San Francisco went on to then win every single game after that up until last last week or two weeks ago. It is impressive that they were able to pull them out, even though McCaffrey wasn't entirely assimilated yet. I mean, you have the rest of the crew there. I mean, you have Debo and Kittle and Ayuk and all of those guys playing in that game. And 
uh, McCaffrey playing a little bit and Jeff Wilson still on the team before he got traded. They had a lot of options there. They ended up being really good later, even with Debo Hurt and with Jeff Wilson having moved on. They were actually a little bit thinner at their skill position later and still very good. So I, I agree with you. That's a, I mean, that's an impressive win in hindsight. And then the other game where the Chiefs kind of have to solve this problem is against the Buffalo Bills. Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen don't run in the same ways, but they do present that unique ability to when the play isn't there to go pick up the first down anyway. The Chiefs in that game actually do completely stop Josh Allen as a rusher. One of the reasons why they had a shot to win this particular game, but they end up breaking down on the back end and giving up big plays and a big game to both Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. The Chiefs are going to have to do a little bit more in terms of stopping both, or they just simply have to play even better on offense than they did against the Bills. That was one of the games where I'm sure as they look back, they're thinking, I mean, actually we did what we wanted on defense. We held the Bills in the 20s. We've got to score more. We've got to win with our offense in that game. The big issue for the Chiefs that could crop up in this and I think contribute even more to what you discussed, where the Eagles could control the ball, is that the Eagles are a much better short yardage offense than the Chiefs are. The Chiefs don't have great running back play. They're now probably not going to have the same kind of mobility they would have with Mahomes. You don't have Tyreek Hill as that automatic underneath manufactured touch. If you have a fourth and one, you can run some kind of exotic route with him right at the line of scrimmage where you know people can't cover a guy with 4-2 speed that's maybe even quicker than he is fast on that type of play. They don't have those things. Whereas the Eagles have so much they could do in the passing game if they want to go that route and create a big play. But the Eagles in the short yardage rushing with what Jalen Hurts gives them, obviously we've seen all of the sneaks that they have successfully executed. If they get down there inside the one, it's going to be difficult to stop them from converting the touchdown. But the fact that you have this running quarterback and a style of play with the rush game, as you mentioned early up the middle, the Eagles have the option of converting third downs when the Chiefs appear to have them stopped in the passing game, but then the Eagles are more likely because of their strengths in short yardage to go for it on fourth down than the Chiefs, who we saw play very passively in the championship game, and that was one of your big frustrations. That part of the game, if, if it comes up that we have a number of high leverage plays like that, that's certainly going to skew the game in the Eagles' favor. Yeah, and that's, I mean, there's a lot of ways this game can go. I'm excited for it. <laughs> so then who who are you picking in this one? I, I think I'm going to, like, for an official pick, I'm going to take the Chiefs. And it, it's kind of nice that you can do that at plus money, slightly plus money. You don't often get a pick Patrick Mahomes at plus money. The fact that the Eagles are slightly favored certainly impacts that from a uh, what do you want to call it? Expected value EV perspective. The way that I'm looking at it, I'm picking Kansas City with a little bit better, you know, odds behind them on the money line, certainly. And then, I mean, I think I would take the over if I was if I was going to take a a pick on the game total. What about you? So you're you're with Brandon Ayuk there. You're thinking, I mean, they shredded the 49ers. They're getting healthy. The Eagles really I think this stop. is going to be a good offensive game on both sides. Uh, I do. Uh, yeah, I'm with Brandon Ayuk. I think they're going to be able to put up numbers on the Eagles secondary. Well, I picked the Chiefs 38-35. Not really focusing that much on the score other than from a fun perspective. Don't take that as a betting recommendation. But 38-35 on 73 OT. points. So we take the alternate over <laughs> on the total. <laughs> He gets some good money on that. <laughs> 38, 35. And I, and I said a few minutes ago that I had the Chiefs. I kind of talked myself back in the in the direction of the Eagles. Just, again, when you think through that issue, because the modern NFL has become almost completely about your ability to convert third downs. Number one, you want to stay out of third downs. But the way that the Eagles are unique is that they're a team that can get into a lot of third downs and still make it work because of – the, the three elements of the offense there, where you have the elite passing attack, you have the QB rushing, and then you have playing off of that, one of the better offensive lines, and then rush games, which also then gives you fourth down. 
when you have that flexibility, you're just presenting a problem for the defense that is so unique and so important in terms of keeping those drives going. What the Chiefs have to do to stop the Eagles is more like what you have to do to stop the Bills than what you have to do to stop the Bengals. Now, obviously, the Bengals solved that problem against the Bills and more or less crushed them. Maybe the Chiefs can come out and the defense will look that good. I picked Chris Jones as my MVP on overtime. Like he's going to be voted MVP? Voted MVP. He's going to have that caliber of game. If he has that caliber of game, my Chiefs pick is pretty safe. They're going to win. But that's not going to happen because the Eagles are going to double team him all game. They got a really good offensive line that can win, I think, in one-on-ones and some other spots. And they're, they're, I don't think they're going to give Chris Jones the ability to impact the game like that. that he, this sounds like my take on Travis Kelsey. Yeah, it does. Chris Jones bit. is that good. Yeah. All right. He can just run through double teams all day. It might happen. He's He is that good. Um, but I think that's going to be a focal point for the Eagles on the defensive line is not letting Chris Jones wreck the game. But I like it. I like the call. So MVP, I'm just going to take Mahomes for MVP. Did you did you wind up taking – sorry, you took Chris Jones, so you wound up taking the Chiefs. You were talking yourself into the Eagles there for a minute, and I was checking what the alternate game totals were. By the way, you can get over 65 at like 4-1 to one, uh, on an alternate game total if you like Sean's 38-35 uh, number. There we, I want to go back to – it probably isn't really going back to anything, but a Super Bowl shootout. Every possession. I want to see a game here that was like last year's. Well, you, you think about the first time that the Chiefs lose, right? When they don't get the ball in overtime against Tom Brady and the Patriots in their first AFC Championship game. You think about not last year's AFC Championship game, but the divisional round against Buffalo. The defenses are going to have a bigger say in this game than that. We've been saying that all the way through, but. I mean, this is a who has the ball last wins game, right? I just The Chiefs are not going to let the Eagles just sit on the clock. We, we saw that already with the 49ers, where they didn't let Jalen Hurts get out on the edge against them, and he struggled to throw to A.J. Brown. He's going to have to make those plays. You went the whole show. You didn't mention A.J. Brown in the Super Bowl. Are you nervous about mentioning A.J. Brown in the Super Bowl? I mean, a little bit, yeah. I'm just going to let that let that linger. I was... Talking with Pete Overs at this week, and, and he was saying if Devonta Smith has a way better game, then maybe Smith will jump him in ADP. And I was like, you know what? I could live with that because then it would just make A.J. Brown undervalued for the fourth, fifth straight season of his career, every single season of his career. Right now, he's going into the first round of early 2023 drafts. So I just I don't want to say his name. I'm kind of hoping he gets, has a quiet game. Devonta Smith's amazing. And then you can tell everyone all offseason that Devonta Smith's their real number one. And we'll just get another discount on H.A. Pratt. I just went, I mean, like, I can't live in a world where he's expensive to draft. That's not, that's not fun. It's more fun when everyone's doubting him every single season for stupid reasons. Overtime in the Super Bowl. Overtime? Overtime. I like that. We're going to get I, touchdown, I gotta say, touchdown to start the Super uh, Bowl. What was that? Touchdown, touchdown to start overtime in the Super Bowl. That would be fun. What happens? Because... There's, they just keep playing, I guess. There's obviously not a tie after after what. If, if they go touchdown, touchdown, it's going to be two probably five minute drives. They're going to be done with first overtime. They're going to go to second overtime. That's because right. those they are just, the, the rules that you created, right? That I created? Yeah, you, you know, had the solution after last year's Bills Chiefs game. Then I also heard you did a, a very nice review off the air for me of the Pro Bowl before our previous show. But one of the other things that came out kind of as we're going through this Pro Bowl into Super Bowl time period is that, according to Roger Goodell, the officiating has been better than ever. The best that's ever yeah, been. Yeah, I don't want to get into that conversation. We ended last show or two shows ago with me going on a half an hour rant about the officiating. Better than ever. I did see someone ask on Twitter kind of in response to that, you know, can you name a, a better time or time that it's been better? Uh, I can't. It's never been good. That doesn't mean they can't improve it, right? Like, it's just one of those things that, yeah, we should still work on improving. It's it's never been particularly strong. I agree with that take as well. It's, at this point, with the amount of money that they make become a bigger and bigger issue, and the amount of, you know, money that, it, that their partnerships with gambling companies, et cetera, you, 
you just, you just got to figure it out. It's got to be better than it's ever been before. You have to have the best officiating you've ever had and, and make it happen as quick as possible. Then I think the other question that people have, coin flip, who's going to win? What well, are I want to get back to your prediction. So you said 38-35, touchdowns on both sides in overtime, and somehow in this game, a defensive player is going to win MVP. I need you to, to explain. Oh, this so you're saying this doesn't? This isn't like a a, a well done DFS or best ball team yeah, where there's a consistent correlate. narrative. It, there, it, it won't hold together. As well, I so. joke about your crystal ball sometimes. Sometimes, and if there's anyone who could explain to me how a defensive tackle could win MVP in that type of game, it would be you. But I I, I think that's a little incongruous. So we've gone on these two scenarios now, where we want one of two things to happen. One, Chris Jones wins the MVP. The other, we get 38-35 with two touchdowns in overtime to start. We have Harrison Bucker. What what distance would if if you're at 38, if you're at 35 all and the Chiefs had the ball first in overtime and you haven't stopped the Eagles for the entire second half, but you do get stopped yourself. How far out does Andy Reid line up? Harrison Bucker for the win. What do you mean by like how many yards would they need to go? You're, I'm like you're six, saying, 60 yard field goal by Harrison Bucker to win Super Bowl 57. This is after the touchdowns in overtime. Right. So it could be to win it. Right. Well, it would, it would also have to be like fourth and 20. Because in this scenario where they're both, you can't stop anyone. If it's like fourth and five, I'd rather just put it in Mahomes' hands than kick a 60 yarder where if he misses, then they're in field goal range. Yeah. I'm probably just going for it on fourth and five. I might be going for it on fourth and ten. If it's like fourth and fifteen or fourth and twenty, yeah, maybe I kick the sixty yarder with Harrison Bunker. I don't know. And, and Big Red will probably punt in that scenario, even though his team hasn't made a stop all game. Unfortunately. And then that's when Chris Jones wins the MVP. <laughs> he gets a pick six. Mm-hmm. He's got a Strip I mean sack, he, scoop and score. We could get like a you know William Refrigerator Perry offensive touchdown you were talking about this space player maybe they bring in chris jones for some offensive packages and use him in the red zone canaris tony goes out they've thought through this hey we, we're gonna have chris jones in as our fullback move tight end maybe he scores two offensive touchdowns in this game i wouldn't put it past andy Reid. he's gonna have some amazing plays for this game that's i think you got to get a couple sacks and an offensive td that's how chris jones winds up with the uh maybe a takeaway maybe he has multiple takeaways and then you know, strip sack, somehow picks off a pass, and then also scores a touchdown. Then, then he wins MVP. It doesn't matter what the score is. That's just that's a dominant game I just described. Yeah, so we have two scenarios. It, it's almost certainly going to be, I mean, neither one of those are long shot scenarios, right? I mean, it's almost no. certainly one of those two. Yeah. It's, I mean, I've known you long enough to know that one of those two is going to happen. I won't even be surprised when it happens. The Steely Bananas listeners might be, but it'll just be, yeah, Sean was right again as I watched the game. <laughs> You say that, now we're going to get like 24-20 Eagles. <laughs> a very vanilla, good, but vanilla Super Bowl. So, Yeah, man, it's going to be a fun one. I'm excited. You're excited. You're a big Chiefs fan. You're, are you nervous? Not yet. Not yet. Sometimes on the day, you kind of get a little bit of that sense of, I mean, you look forward to all of these games all year and watching your team play and the playoffs and, and all of that. You get that, you know, a little bit of different feeling where you're like, why do I feel like this tiny bit of dread? And you're like, oh, that's right. Because my team could either win or lose their Super Bowl. <laughs> but you were nervous about, lose. you were nervous about the conference championship and the divisional round, I would, I would argue. You weren't quite picking against them as hard as I was joking earlier, but you were nervous about them a little bit. I think. No, I mean, I thought that the, the Jaguars could give them some trouble and they did. Uh, and then the injury, it just... I think that what we all want to see is these teams get to play at pretty close to 100%. You know, if you if you would tell me that Patrick Mahomes' ankle was perfect and Jalen Hurts' shoulder was perfect, which we haven't mentioned, hopefully it is. I mean, he did not look good throwing the ball against the 49ers. Some of that is just going to be random, and you can miss some passes even if you're you know, But the is there an element healthy, with but. those earlier games where it was like, man, it would just be so annoying if they lost? you know, in the divisional round and the conference championship. But now that they've made it to the Super Bowl, they won the AFC, the tougher conference. 
you know, you're not going to be okay with them losing, but there's at least a, an element where it feels like more of a successful year than maybe getting upset by Jacksonville or losing in the AFC Championship again. Do you feel maybe less nervous, more accomplished at this stage, or is that ridiculous? Yeah, it's so, it's so tricky because if you're going to compete with – I mean, the Chiefs have put themselves in this kind of odd predicament where they're so good that anytime you don't win a Super Bowl, it's been a disappointment – and as opposed to com- really competing against the Bills and the Bengals and the Eagles, they're competing against 2000 to 2020 New England Patriots. And so every time that you go out there, you're competing with history as opposed to just your opponent. Well, that weighs on the players, it weighs on the fans, but not in a way that like anybody's going to feel sorry for you for. It's, it's very exciting at the same time. I do think that there's an element where once you've gotten past this Bills-Bengals portion of it, and the Chiefs have, at least in some small way, reinforced that they are the team out of the AFC. It's almost a little bit more irrelevant what happens with the Eagles because it's it's a separate type of thing. You know you're going to go right back next year, and it's how do you stay in front of the Bengals? How do you stay in front of the Bills and give yourself that shot? The other part of it this season is just they didn't feel like they have felt the previous four years. You can look at all the things that Patrick Mahomes has done, but without Tyreek Hill, it feels like a more pedestrian offense. And it feels like a team that defensively may be the best defense, but not a defense where you're out there thinking, okay, well, you're playing an Arrowhead Stadium and suddenly you're going to blitz teams, you know, 45 to zero because this is the greatest team of all time. And the Chiefs struggled through, we talked about how they blew out the 49ers, but they struggled through plenty of games against inferior competition this year because they just didn't seem like the same caliber of juggernaut they went to overtime against the texans just a couple weeks prior to the playoffs where like that was a must-win game and it's like why are you you're playing the texans what are you doing well they lost (laughs) i think you said to me it was an unlosable game off the air prior to that game you're like unless the chiefs lose an unlosable game and we kind of laughed about that and then i was watching the game that sunday and i was like how did you curse them into potentially losing this unlosable game? Well, and they they did squirrely things all season long. I mean, you look at that game, and from a yardage perspective, it came out more or less as you would think. But the decision-making, some of the turnovers, they've cleaned those things up to an extent in the playoffs, and it's almost like you know now is the real season for them. Again, because they're so good. But I think as a Chiefs fan, especially with the injury to Mahomes, you're more thinking, okay, well, next year they're going to add that playmaker on offense. They're going to score every possession. Right. They're going to be the best team in football. They're going and yet to they're in the through, Super Bowl this year. And they're going to – you're almost thinking to yourself they're going to be two touchdown favorites in the Super Bowl next year. I mean, that's not really the case. I mean, you don't, you're not a two-touchdown favorite in the Super but Bowl. But I was going to go there next. I mean, I, we, we talked about this recently, but the Bills have a tougher division now. I mean, the, the Dolphins are better. The Jets are a quarterback away. If they do land Aaron Rodgers or somebody, they have a quarterback away from being better, not you know competing with the Bills necessarily. But now all of a sudden you have a tough division. Patriots are going to be good under Belichick. They're not going to be great necessarily anytime soon, but they're going to be good. They're going to be competitive. They can beat you in the regular season. The Dolphins, uh, again, we don't know what's going on with Tua, but um, Mike McDaniel was so strong. And then you look at the Bengals, like the Ravens are going to be better at some point. They've had injuries both of the last two years. And it's hard to remember, but that can be a really good team when they stay healthy. The I don't really know about the Steelers, but the Browns have a shot as well. If Deshaun Watson does, you know, fit in there, we don't really know what's going to happen there. It's not really a fun dude to talk about, but that could be a competitive team. And then, then you look at like the Broncos are going the wrong way. There's reports that Sean Payton took that job in spite of having Russell Wilson. I think he's on the same path that I'm on where we're going to punt for the next couple of years and be ready to compete in three years. The Raiders are going to be worse, in my opinion, from you know from an outsider's perspective. They might wind up landing a, a rookie quarterback, but I still don't think they're going to be great next year. The Chiefs have to have the leg up for the one seed next year in the AFC. Just the, with the ways that the conferences are moving, Bills are a good team. Bengals are a really good team, too. But like you said, they're, they're the Chiefs should be able to make a better roster for next year than they than how the receivers and everything played out this year. The fact that they're in the Super Bowl this year, it's like the worst it could have been after the Tyreek trade, where they tried to open up this multi-year window we, you talked about. They're going to have a shot to win the next five Super Bowls. And to your point about them competing against the Patriots, I mean, everything I just said, if they win this game against the Eagles, come out and get the one seed next year, I mean, I think they are right now in – in Vegas, the betting favorites for the 2023 Super Bowl, 2023 season, 2024 
uh, February 2024, next year, they're able to win this game against the Eagles, come back and win that one. You'll be talking about three cheap. I mean, that's not out of this world. I think when you say that immediately about the the Patriots, it feels a little bit like, well, we're comparing them with the greatest dynasty in NFL history. That's really tough to do. They're in position to potentially be there, uh, you know, a year and a month from now where they would have won three of the past five Super Bowls, went to another one, lost in a conference championship in the other season, and looked a lot like the Patriots during that early stretch of, of their long run. And for the Patriots, I mean, some of those early Super Bowls, they won by a field goal. They got a little – I mean, the Chiefs' first Super Bowl against the 49ers. They were behind. They had to come back and win that game. They don't all. They didn't always look super dominant. You go to their later Super Bowls, you have the Falcons one, you have the Seahawks one. I'd argue both of those were given away to the Patriots. But we remember them as these dominant, you know, this dominant, unbeatable team. So even though the Chiefs have cracks in their armor right now, if they're able to win this year, they're able to get another one soon. They're going to go down in history similarly to those Patriots. I completely agree with that point. That's who they're competing against. This run already the last five years, five straight conference championships in Mahomes' career as a starter, and now three Super Bowls in those five years. That's already up there. If you get two wins – Two Super Bowl wins in those five years. You don't even need the one next year to really be starting to be talking about one of the all-time great dynasties. But they could come back next year and be in a better position. And then you're talking about, well, how if they can win a couple more, you really are talking about them alongside the Patriots and some of that stuff. So this is a huge year for them. They're not at their absolute best like you talked about. But when you think about them as a multi-year dynasty, these are the types of Super Bowls the Patriots were able to pull out over the years. They didn't necessarily look like the best team, but were able to, to win those games. And from a fan perspective, this almost feels like a free one. But for the reasons you just mentioned, if you want to compete with the Patriots, you got to win some of those freebies, some of those Super Bowls where maybe you weren't the best team. You mentioned a couple of ones they did win. Because that's going to balance out a Super Bowl where maybe you're in the mix to be the greatest team of all time. And you lose because the NFC is going to put together good opponents. I mean, you could easily lose the Super Bowl, even if you're a great, great team. So can't wait for Sunday. Ben, you and I have been enjoying these playoffs. We have some FFPC playoff teams that are in the mix. We hope that a lot of listeners have teams that are in the mix. We're rooting for everyone in those contests. Takes down some some big titles, makes some good money this week. You and I have a lot more content on the new fantasy games that are starting up all the time. We did some fun shows recently about ADP in the FFBC never too early best ball tournaments. I can't wait to do some rookie content with you. We'll have draft stuff as the draft season moves along. Fantasy football at its best in February. <laughs> then that'll do it for today's episode of Sealing Bananas. I'm Sean Siegel. With me, as always, is Ben Gretchen. You can follow at Yards Per Gretch. Sign up for Stealing Signals. Ben mentioned Stealing Lines and some of the things that they have going for you over there. You don't want to miss his betting project with Dalton Cates. We'd love to have all of you over at Rotoviz. You can use the coupon code RVRADIO2023 at checkout to get 10% off the one-year subscription. Leave us a rating and review on all of the different elements that you can do that on. Those things really help us with the algorithm. We love you guys. Talk to you soon.